You're listening to the Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast. For 30 years, the Forum on Workplace Inclusion has served as a convening hub for those seeking to grow their leadership and effectiveness in the field of diversity, equity, and inclusion by engaging people, advancing ideas, and igniting change. Our 2019 conference, Bridging the Gap, is April 16th, 17th, and 18th, 2019. Join our mailing list to receive updates by visiting forumworkplaceinclusion.org. In this episode, hear playback from our June 20th webinar titled Women in Leadership, Engaging Global Women, with hosts Lorraine Kaminsky of Global LK and Ben Rue as the webinar coordinator. And thank you to our webinar sponsor, Aon, for making this possible. Welcome to today's webinar. I'm Ben Rue, Program Coordinator at the Forum on Workplace Inclusion. I am pleased to have you here for today's webinar, Women in Leadership, Engaging Engaging Global Women, with presenter Lorraine Kaminsky of Global LK. This is the fourth webinar in the 2018 Forum on Workplace Inclusion webinar series, sponsored by Aeon. We hope you enjoy this experience and find this information helpful in your work and join us for future webinars. Today, Lorraine will be presenting for about 45 minutes with Q&A at the end. Please utilize your chat feature in order to ask questions. And also, when you are utilizing the chat, please make sure to uh, click on to all panelists and uh, all panelists and attendees so that everyone sees your message. Uh, there will also be a, a brief poll uh, in the webinar, so please feel free to participate. At the end of the web at the end of this web this webinar, you will be asked to fill out a brief survey on your experience. Please take a moment to fill out the survey as your feedback helps us shape future webinars. We truly we we truly appreciate your on open and honest feedback. Today's webinar is SHRM and HRC HRCI eligible. It is also being recorded and will be posted to our website next week and available for. Um, download via podcast. Uh, please visit our website, formonworkplaceinclusion.org, or on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn for more information. The SHRM, activi- the SHRM and HR- HRCI activity IDs will be provided at the end of the webinar. We will also be announcing the winner of our registration contest uh, this month featuring a private lunch and learn webinar for you, uh, you and your team or organization with Lorraine, valued at $5,000. I will, I'll be handing things over to Lorraine shortly. However, before I do, we have a brief message from our sponsor. Where will today take you? Where will you take today? Will you step out into who you are, into who you can be? At Aon, we're committed to helping you be your best and ensuring you experience the best of Aon. It's your chance to own your potential. A chance to develop professionally through unmatched opportunities and tools to help you succeed. It's your opportunity to work with the best, to learn from and grow with each other. A place where colleagues value one another, where perspectives are embraced and people are celebrated. It's freedom to reach out and make a difference. So clients succeed, so communities grow, so colleagues thrive. This is what it means to work at Aon, what it feels like when we are at our best. Impact, people, opportunities, and support. This 
empower results. Thank you again, Aeon, for your support. And now I am going to hand it over to Lorraine. So hello, everyone. So I'd like to welcome all of you in all the languages I can fit on that slide. And generally speaking, people look for themselves everywhere. So I hope I have the welcome in your language. And if I don't, send me a note and it'll maybe be on the thank you or maybe we'll do it again. But it talks about inclusion and we all want to be seen as a part of an organization, not apart from. So my name's Lorraine Kaminsky. You saw that up there and Ben introduced me. I like to do my own intro in a different way. I'm a Canadian by choice, not by birth. And, but very often when people listen to the accent, they make assumptions. And it's not that we, we all make assumptions. It's what do we do with those assumptions? So no, I'm not from Poland and I am not from England. I lived there, but I am not from there. Um, I was actually born in the tip of Africa. So you see there Cape Town, South Africa. And the so what of that is I want each one of you to please think about your early patterning and the early messaging you got from your parents, your families, from where you were born, where you were raised. So I was born in this beautiful city at the tip of Africa um, at the time of apartheid. Uh, and that for sure has influenced why I left that country during the time when Mandela was uh, on Robben Island and moved to the second coldest capital city in the world. Um, anybody who is from Canada would recognize that's uh, the famous Rideau Canal, which freezes and we don't need any artificial freezing mechanisms because it is so cold there. But it is also Canada is also a country that is welcoming of immigrants. And that uh, is another part of my journey. So I want each one of you to think about your own journeys and how that, the journey you've taken, be it within your own country or moving or parents and family from others, what is the early messaging you've gotten? You know, this, the, the, the title of this is Engaging Global Women. And many of us work with people virtually whom we often don't meet uh, of both genders. But in this webinar, I'm going to focus on women and global women and how those differences make a difference. Very often with differences, people are uncomfortable with difference. They are much um, more comfortable with people who are like themselves, even women who are more like themselves. We have that strong affinity bias. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes it comes from being uncomfortable with the difference and not even knowing how to start a conversation with somebody who is quite different from yourself. Most recently, I did a, a, a workshop on women in leadership. It was not uh, 45 minutes. It was two days in Korea with women in the room from Australia to Zambia. Uh, 30 women, all from different countries with different early messages. 
And it is easier to gravitate to the people who speak the same language as you, for example. So one of the things people often say is, well, how do I even start a conversation with somebody who looks so different from me, who is not comfortable in my language? And so I always say one question you can always ask anyone is, what is your other thing? What do you enjoy doing when you are not at work? Because that is a safe question and it is an, such an open-ended question that is an easy relationship builder. So if you ask me what is my other thing, I would tell you is that I like to bike. I like to cycle in different geographies. And the so what, so I'm going to have this consistent theme through this webinar of what, so what, now what, so what. So what that I am a woman who likes to ride a bicycle. So what that means, for me, it is a great way of learning about another culture. Because when you're on your bike, you truly see who goes to school, who doesn't go to school, who goes to work, who doesn't go to work. You There are no lobbies when you are on your bicycle. And that a bike bubble was when we were cycling in Vietnam. And it was really interesting because a bicycle is a very low status vehicle in many parts of the world. If you've got enough money to buy a car, why would you ride a bike? So there would be crowds of people uh, gathering around us, talking in their own language. And we'd say to the guide, what are they saying? They say, what kind of crazy people are riding bikes when they can afford an air ticket? So it's all about judgment and perception, not right, not wrong, just different. But also what I'm trying to demonstrate here is that within these three bubbles and four minutes, you can learn much more about a person to be to make that person and both of you more comfortable in engaging in different conversations that may be more challenging. So when we talk about engaging global women, how do we engage people whom we don't see or when we are first meeting so that we can start that foundation of a relationship because without a relationship, it is much more difficult to do the task. So my task with you today is um, to build some knowledge around this topic. But the next picture that I have there is a pin that was designed for the Women's Summit in Beijing in the early 2000s. And two very well-known U.S. women were given that pin. One was Madeleine Albright, and it's supposed to depict the the glass ceiling, breaking the glass ceiling, and the other was Hillary Clinton. So we know that there are many ceilings in the workplace and in the marketplace, and the glass ceiling is alive and well and in many countries, including our own. We've never, we've all, there's always work to be done to have a higher level of women represented in senior roles in many, many countries. So I'd like to know who is on this call and where you are from. So uh, Ben is going to ask a polling question. So Ben, I'm going to hand it over to you. So if you could answer that, you're from any, if you're from the outside of the US and Canada, if you could just say yes or no as quickly as you can, please, thank you. We're great. So we have 
Oh, let's go. Oh, numbers are changing. Thank you. Thanks very much. And now what we'd like to know is if in the chat box, you could please uh, put which country you are from, uh, if you are from outside of the US and Canada. And we have, we have um, someone who's joining from the US, but is from Venezuela. Great. We have India. Welcome. Hello, Dr. Kumar. Senegal. Excellent. My sister from Senegal. <laughs> we have another South African. Who, uh, they're in the U.S. now, but originally from South Africa. Very nice to hear from you. Um, originally from the U.K., but in the U.S. now. Also welcome. Um, in the U.S. now, but joining from the Netherlands. Excellent. So while we have a lot of people joining from the U.S., we definitely have to have a global presence. Great. And perhaps those of you who are joining from the U.S., if you could put in the chat box, if you're working in a global organization or with global teams, that would also be helpful. Because we're going to try and do, I'd love to be able to give some specific examples if there are. Um, so any um, specific countries that we can see uh, that you can put share with Ben would be helpful. We also have another U.S. but from Pakistan. Um, quite a few are with global organizations, uh, global across every region of the world, global immunizations. Mm, let's see. Work in the U.S., work with India. Um, working with global teams, EMEA and Asia Pacific, uh, UK and Brazil, working in a global firm, working in India, the US, Singapore and US, I'm uh, sorry, UK and US. Um, I have a global German software company. Someone in the U.S. working originally from Kenya, but working in the government center, set, sector, uh, CGI. Hello, JC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Senior Director of Marketing Communication at the Minnesota Zoo. Love the zoo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, working in concert, conservation efforts in Africa, Europe, and the Americas. Uh, working with the Latin America region global organization and with a global team, India and Ireland, uh, CGI globally across 40 countries with over 400 offices working in Canada, uh, U.S. federal employee and work with some in Canada in natural resources. And go Minnesota, yes. <laughs> great. Thank you yes. very much. A lot of great, yes, a lot of global co com companies and organizations. Great. Excellent. Okay, so that's, um, okay, I, I, I have it there. So the objectives that we had set with um, the forum was to um, apply cultural ability and agility. And there's many different words for, um, you know, people talk about cultural competence. I prefer to talk about cultural ability and cultural agility, rather because agility 
we can't go to the gym once a month or even once a week and be agile. We really need to be uh, agile by flexing our muscles at a regular time. So when we look at the mindset, the frameworks related to cultural competence and uh, and challenges, we also, another objective of this webinar is to share some applicable strategies um, to overcome cultural and organizational systemic barriers. And how do we build increased intentional, so we're looking at sharing applicable strategies. So what are the strategies given the vast number of you with different requirements for overcoming the personal, cultural and systemic barriers specifically for women globally? And the third objective of today, and of course we won't be able to cover all of this uh, taking a deep dive, but I'm really hoping that you'll be able to think about this and also, if you do, I'm happy to share some resources afterwards. But the most important of that third bullet is to build increased intentionality. So we've got to be intentional toward engaging female talent in globally volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous times. That whole code for VUCA. So when we talk about breaking code for inclusion, Adele was code. There might have been some people who thought, what is this woman talking about using Adele? I've never heard of her. But do you have an environment where people can raise their hand and say, could you explain what that means? And VUCA is a very trendy code word for the challenging times we are living in today. So when we think of women of influence and developing the global mindset, and each one of us now is really responsible for building that global mindset. And I have this quote from Angela Merkel, who has you know, been a very persistent and courageous leader in Germany. And one of her quotes is, always be more than you appear and never appear to be more than you are. So it's that fine balance with being, knowing where you are, who you are, and what you are, and what you are, but never so much that you're out of your depth. And what's very interesting when we talk about role models and women in leadership, somebody said to me the other day, and I, I, it really resonated with me, that if you're a young girl of 11 and you think about the chancellor in Germany, you've only got the picture of a woman in your head because Angela Merkel has been there now for 12 years. So it's, how do we populate young women and girls' mindsets with other women so that they can see that there are opportunities for themselves? So we often talk about the word culture. I've already mentioned it several times. But what is culture? How do we build an organizational culture where there's room for, for women to grow, that they can see or we can see ourselves in every role, not in many, many organizations. And I don't know, you know which organizations all of you are from, but 
in many organizations that I've worked with in 94 different countries. There is no shortage of women in their organizations, but there is a very, very limited number of women in leadership. So what happens to all of those women who come in, in many of them well-qualified, very optimistic about opportunities to develop and grow, and they don't get beyond a director or at the most a VP level. And not, yes, not every woman wants to be the CEO. And not every woman, just the same as not every man wants to be an executive committee, but there are many who do and aren't there. So is it the culture of the organization? So with that in mind, I'd like to share with you a definition of culture that I like. And that is that the culture of an organization is what is expected. What do we expect of people in our organization? What is reinforced and what is rewarded by and within a particular group? And there are many different definitions of culture, but for me, this one truly resonates, is what do we expect? What kinds of behaviors are expected? Which ones are reinforced and which are rewarded? And just doing an analysis of that, say what is expected? What is reinforced and rewarded? Why is it then that we have all of the same people at the top? of our organization. So HSBC, the world's local bank, has done some amazing uh, advertising. And I really like this one because, you know, we all see a cow here. But to somebody, a cow is leather. If you Hindu, the cow is a god. And if you are a carnival, the cow is dinner. So I'm a vegetarian. And so I'll never see the cow as dinner. But I was working with a group and some, there was a young, a young woman and she said, with no letters there, and she said, oh, for me, a cow is a god. And she said it very quietly. And I said, why did you say it so quietly? And she said, oh, because I didn't want anyone to laugh at me. So if you go back to the left-hand side of that page, is only one God reinforced and rewarded in the organization that you've got to be in the closet as to who your God is? Because if you're in the closet, then you cannot be at 100% at work. So when we think about how do we engage women leaders during these VUCA times, so the volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And these, you know, volatile, we are living through incredible times of change and uncertainty and complexity and ambiguity. And this isn't local, this is global. And all of these things impact on both genders, but in many cases, they impact on women more. So what is the vision? How do we understand? How do we have more clarity? And if you look at the agility, to go back to the, this, we often hear about the, you know, the role of women in leadership 
and work-life balance and all of these words that to me relate to agility. All right, so now we are going to share with you the model of cultural agility and a global mindset. And to me, it's an art, an art and a science, and it's something that we need to be intentional about. Most of the people, when we asked where you were from, some of some people have made the personal journey of cultural agility, moving from one country to the next, continuing to. Some people. Uh, have, are working with people from many different countries. I always love it when people say, oh, we're working with EMEA, you know, Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And I think, wow. You know, some people say, oh, Asia. Oh, well, working in Asia. Well, there are 47 different countries in Asia. And to be agile, we need to understand that just those 47 countries that are put into one bucket are so different. So one of my rec strong recommendations, if you're working with global teams in different geographies, there are even regional differences as we see the regional differences in North America, coastal differences, often animosity and, com and competitiveness between just like there's competitiveness between Los Angeles and New York, so there would be competitiveness between Shanghai and Beijing or Bangalore and New Delhi. So that always, when we think about this art of cultural agility, we all need to improve our cultural intelligence. So if we grow our cultural intelligence by learning, by sharing, by learning with, from each other, being continuous learners and continuous teachers. And so the business intelligence is what each one of you on this call would have because that's your job. Is your If you're a technical company or an HR company or a government agency or working in the zoo, your business intelligence would come from your technical work. And that's what you think. So the intersection of business intelligence and cultural intelligence is very important because the business in different parts of the world is delivered differently. And then the third bubble is emotional intelligence. So how do we grow our emotional intelligence? And all the research, including just yesterday, I got a fabulous article on the relevance of emotional intelligence. And this, again, from a gender perspective, how we think, how women are educated from an early age as to their emotional intelligence, so you see the head there. Ben, can you tell me you can see a head? Everybody can see my screen now? Yes, we can see emotional intelligence and the head. Everything's working oh, wonderfully. <laughs> and we also, then we have the heart is the emotional intelligence. In order to be emotionally intelligent and grow our cultural agility in global organizations, we have to have the three H's, the head, the heart, and I'm sure you all know what the third picture is going to come up as the hand. So it's what are we thinking? How are we emoting? And then what do we do? How do we act? And it goes back to that initial slide about being intentional. 
about inclusion and engagement of both men and women in everything that we are doing from an organizational perspective. How are we thinking about the women? How are, and, and, and what judgments are we making? And very often in global organizations, there is an assumption, oh, well, you know, she's just, she's got a family. The benevolent bias comes out often in this emotional intelligence piece. And so I, the, and I'm, I just would like to rephrase, you know, the benevolent bias is when a decision is made and it's unconscious often, and it's often made by men for women. Well, that's going to be a tough assignment or that's going to require travel. Well, you know, you can't be culturally intelligent and understand the global business if you aren't given the global mobility opportunities. And in many cases, and particularly today in changing times, many women are taking on those assignments and their partners are following and their children are having those opportunities to go to school in Singapore or in the UK. So it's, you know, it's not only good for the woman in leadership, but it is also good for her whole family. So I want you to think about that intersection here of the business intelligence, the cultural intelligence, and the emotional intelligence. And the bigger that Mickey Mouse nose grows, the more culturally agile we become. And it takes work and it takes intentionality. And I hope that all of you can think about how that, inter how that interconnectivity will and can work. Do you see that? And any questions about that, I'll be happy to answer later. So it's learn, think, act. And there's a, a, a reference there to a book called Emotional Agility by Susan Davis which I would highly recommend. So there are a couple of books that I'm recommending, and that is one of them. So when we think of dimensions of culture and how do we, how do we look at um, these dimensions and intersections, um, I'm referencing here working globe smart, and I'm sure that if any of you come from large companies, many of you might have access to GlobeSmart, which is a very good tool. And it's very, it's excellent for increasing your cultural intelligence. Um, and for the purposes of this webinar, I'm only going to share a, a few very basic dimensions, but, you know, I there are many, many others. So nothing that I'm sharing with you today is the end of the story. It's the beginning of the journey. So when we look at the difference between an individualist and a collectivist culture, it makes a huge difference to appreciating and working with people. So for example, I was born in South Africa. I lived in England and now I live in Canada. And I operate very much from an individualist perspective. My first name comes first, my last name last. If I were to ask my, my, my Chinese or my Indian colleagues, 
who are much further down on the collectivist culture, how the group is seen is seen very differently. And I'll just give you a, a quick example. Ben talked about the end of this webinar. We will um, he will be taking a poll in terms of evaluation. Now, as an individualist, I really hope that you evaluate this well and I get good ratings. However, if you give me bad ratings, it is only me, me, Lorraine, who gets the bad rating. It is not my entire collective, living and dead, who's lost face. So the individualist culture is the individual face. The collectivist culture is much harder to regain face once lost face. You see many, many people there in the collectivist culture because the collectivist culture has many more people in their inner circle. So how teams operate in India and in China and in any of the collectivist cultures, and you know, oftentimes people will say, well, where are the individualist and collect Individualist cultures are uh, in, in North America, the UK, Western Europe, Northern Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Southern, white Southern Africa. But the majority of the world are somewhere on that continuum moving to, and not everybody who's individualist is at the very end and not everybody is collectivist. This is just a model I'm sharing with you. It is not a stereotype. So I want to put that disclaimer. It is the same with a direct communicator and an indirect communicator. So you see here, You'll see the Russia is very direct, France is direct, Israel is very direct, Canada, the US are on, if you can see my pointer, somewhere on this side of direct. And indirect would be cultures who are raised, not to say no to a person in authority, not to say no to somebody who's older or more senior. So for example, if I use Canada as an example, uh, I would be quite far on the direct. Our indigenous people would be much further on the indirect. But if you're culturally agile, you can move back and forth on that continuum. It's just more difficult sometimes to do that. So, for example, if you're working with the, somebody identified themselves working with teams in India, and we have people from India on the line, you know, if you know you are working with an indirect culture, it is much smarter not to ask a yes-no question. It is much more helpful to ask a question, something like, so when do we, can we expect to see that rather than can I see that tomorrow? Because if it's can I see that tomorrow, the answer may be yes, but it's yes, I heard you. Yes, I'll do my best, but not necessarily mean yes, affirmative. So that, again, requires agility. So we talk about equality, we see Sheryl Sandberg there and hierarchy, Germany much more hierarchical than the, than the, the Facebook, Google um, organizations. Much, but it's also very heavily coded. As you know, call me Bob, but know who I am. And that's difficult. So again, requires agility to understand what does this, what does egalitarian mean? 
and verbal and nonverbal is under is being able to read body language and that is more difficult when you're working remotely like for me today i i would much rather be able to see your faces nods of agreement rolling of eyes oh what is she talking about and some of that is, can indicate a microaggression or micro inequity but also to understand that the same symbol or nonverbal can mean completely different things. So if I'm going through Canada customs and I look down at the ground when somebody says to me, do you have anything to declare? I'm on the back room immediately. Whereas if I come from a, a, from a country where I've been taught not to engage in eye contact, it can be a sign of respect. So not right, not wrong, just different. And you interpose here our globe. So how does this play out in different countries and the early messaging from a gender perspective? So not to lose sight of the topic of this is young women and girls are often taught differently because of their gender. So that's the intersection of both culture and gender. So what is holding women back? And very often women are held to higher standards. We hear that. We know about family responsibilities. Then there's the myth, oh, women do not make good managers. Well, I'm always very skeptical about that because in many cases, women are managing multiple priorities in their whole life. Cultural restrictions for sure. And those cultural restrictions are not only in countries that we see have uh, very intentional, sometimes those cultural restrictions. I see in a lot of my work in North America and in Western Europe, those cultural restrictions are embedded and not as, uh, are much more subtle. And women don't have sufficient connections. So, you know, that whole piece around networking, to network is a verb, and how can women be more intentional to build and maintain networks? So which are myths and which are realities? And both of them are open questions to all of you. So in the sense of acknowledging unconscious influences, here's one of my heroes, Mandela, who was very transparent in terms of his biases, both conscious and unconscious, having been in prison for 25 years. And he tells the story of when he was first flying in alarm to see the pilots were black. He'd never seen a black pilot before. And he grew up in South Africa. So uh, Werner Myers, who does wonderful work, and I'm quoting her, has a, a terrific um, a TED talk about despite the fact that she's a feminist and she's always happy to see a woman pilot, uh, whenever there's turbulence, she's concerned that that woman pilot will help, will know what to do to get out of that turbulence. So, you know, it's this gut reaction when you've not seen many of that role model. There are many unconscious barriers to inclusion. Uh, Lots of work and research on can women have it all. Anne-Marie Slaughter and Dara Nui, the CEO of, of Pepsi, she's, she says, absolutely, you know, it is very hard to have it all. It is almost a myth. Nobody has it all. It's how do you manage to get 
to where you want to be? And how do you have a support team with you? And there's all this work on, you know, the fear of failure. Monitor your emails. If you are a woman who, who apologizes too much, there's a Google plugin for that. You know, how do you build your brand? How do you break into a of the old boys club? How do you start your own networks? Many organizations have a women in leadership. I'm, there's a fabulous new book out by Joanne Lipman called That's What She Said. What men need to know and women need to tell them about working together. I highly recommend that because she talks about building your brand and lots of the work that I do with the UN and other companies, we are now really focusing on the elevator speech. How do you promote yourself? And for many women across geographies, that elevator speech is difficult. But because it's difficult, I would highly recommend that you work at it. And of course, just recently, the UK, there was an article about that left-hand corner. There are more CEOs named John, Steve, and David than female CEOs in total. So what do we do about this is how do we continue to work? So where should we focus? So my first thing is to know yourself. The second is to know you can do it and to build your brand and to help others build their brand and to know the rules of engagement. So again, it goes back to that definition of culture. Know what is expected, know what is reinforced, know what is re rewarded. You know, the rules of engagement comes from military strategy. And I would recommend that also, you know, what are the rules? Are the written rules? What are the unwritten rules? So this comes from Joanne Lippmann's book, what men need to know and what women need to tell them. So that, you know, and Joanne Lippmann refers to the fact that research shows that men get more respect than women, even when they hold the exact same position. And she caught herself. And that's one of the things that, you know, I find myself, I, I teach this work, I live this work, but I've often got to catch myself. And she caught herself using the title she called the doctor you know two doctors the male doctor with his title and the woman woman doctor joan you know reread your work see that you are given giving equal weight to both the men and the women and i'm also shall i say the women and the men give give giving compliments and feedback you know, would you say that to a man? And her example of that was, you know, she had worked, she's a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, journalist. She had prepared and prepared for a particular interview. And when she came in, some guy said to her, oh, you look cute. Well, that's not what she wanted to hear. What she wanted to hear was that was a great presentation. You did an excellent job in your research for the interview. So it is, not, you know, if it's, if it's something that you wouldn't say to a, a man, don't say it to a woman. Don't be afraid of tears because very often women don't cry for emotion. They cry out of frustration. They cry out of anger. And lastly, it's time to interrupt the interrupters. 
there's now new vocabulary around mansplaining and manners. Look at and listen for who's interrupting who and how do you amplify. You know, if, if JC, who I believe is on, on the webinar, says something smart, before John takes on what she said and makes it his own idea, it is my responsibility to say, that was an excellent idea, JC. Oh, wow, that was well thought out. Gee, that's an ex that, that is a really good strategy, JC. Saying her name, amplifying her, credentializing her. And so that's that bullet of interrupt, you know, it's time to interrupt the interrupters. And then the last one is, I referred to earlier, as the benevolent bias. Don't decide for me. Ask me. And in your roles, and I'm not sure what your roles are, if you're sitting around a, uh, a promotion panel or a succession planning panel and somebody at the table says, oh, I don't think she'd want that, I would interrupt that and say, don't decide for her. Have you asked her? You may be, oh, yeah, we asked her 18 months ago if she wanted this particular role. Well, 18 months ago, times have changed. We're moving, you know, lots of things can have happened in those 18 months. And I don't have to fill in the gaps for you because, you know, if you just think about your careers 18 months, two years ago, lots could have changed personally and professionally. Then credentialize yourself and others, amplify. Women tend to be very reluctant to credentialize themselves, to, to state what they've done, which projects they've been on, which research they've done. So if you don't, if you know that person has done some great stuff, credentialize her and then amplify. I like this quote from Melinda Gates. A woman with a voice is by definition a strong woman, but the search to find that voice can be remarkably difficult. And I am assuming there might be some of you on this call who will, this quote will resonate with you, or maybe you can think of a woman who is searching for her voice that you can amplify and credentialize. So some strategies for success in the workplace. Don't you hold yourself back. Do your research and know your worth. That, that whole thing about knowing yourself have a file folder on your computer with your compliments, with your achievements. And when you're having a bad day, look at that file. Look at it. But build it. Build your brand. Keep real-time records, objective measurements, and compliments. Visualize success. What does success look like for you? And revisit it because, you know, nobody's life is a straight road. Uh, maybe your strengths will change. They probably will, depending on what's happening in your personal life. Very often, uh, I'll have younger women say to me, oh, so Lorraine, you know, you're so lucky. You know, how did this all happen for you? You have such an interesting life. My first comment is, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. You know, this doesn't happen. But also, you know, I only started my business I talked before I did this work when my younger son was in high school. 
So we have somebody told me, I like this term, a long runway. Many women have long runways. So, you know, you might off-ramp or go, go laterally for a while, but then you can visualize your strengths and uh, success and play to your strengths and take, and take off at, a, at the end of that longer runway. Work outside your comfort level and lean in. And, you know, you don't have to lean in all the time, but help others. And I believe that Sheryl Sandberg has done some really good work on not only her leaning in, but also the, the option B, which is another book I'd encourage you to read. In difficult situations, act as if you were representing someone else. Sometimes you have to do that as uh, you're a lawyer for somebody else. Ask others to take a second look personal situations and uh, reviewing others. Have uh, somebody who you can trust, be it a mentor, a coach, or depending on where you are in the organization, finding your sponsor. Uh, form a posse of both men and women to share and amplify each other's successes. We all need a cheering team, regardless of where we are on that journey. And Speaking for myself and the work I've done, most people have both genders in their support team, and it's important to have that. Practice, practice, and practice, and don't quit, but know when to walk away and take a hiatus when it's just gotten too tough. And again, working with others and building that posse globally is fabulous to have that network. So as I'm coming to my last couple of slides, some key skills for leading inclusively is to be aware and to keep your eye on that ball in this changing world, to be adaptable and agile. Empathy, walk a mile in someone else's shoes, different from sympathy. And that's how we build our emotional intelligence. Use appreciative inquiry. Uh, it's fabulous to be able to learn from each other. So, for example, we have lots of different knowledge on this, in this webinar. In every group that you work with, either in person or virtually, how do you build appreciative inquiry? How do you get to know about others? Uh, we, uh, any of you have Muslim colleagues or clients or relatives or friends just coming through the end of Ramadan the, in the last week, ask how it was, how was it different this year, depending on the geography that people were in, how they celebrated Eid. We can learn so much when we're open to asking questions from an appreciative inquiry perspective. So how do we engage? How do we motivate not only each other, but ourselves so that we can thrive? And so I'm going to finish with another quote that if your dreams do not scare you, they are not big enough. Uh, she won the Nobel Prize. And I hope that this time with me has given you some food for thought. Some of you are coming up for lunchtime some ideas that you can implement in your organizations, maybe some ideas that things that you can do personally to grow yourself and to share. 
I'm going to open it for questions now before I say thank you and goodbye. Thank you so much, Lane. We've already got one question that was submitted earlier. It is, where did the study come from regarding the relevance of emotional intelligence? Oh, I can send you the uh, link to that. Wonderful. Uh, and but there's not only one study actually. There's lots. I mean, I uh, yesterday there was one on emotional intelligence that I can send. But there's been huge, huge discussions as organizations are growing more global, as organ as people are bringing their whole selves to work. Hopefully, uh, the importance of leadership and emotional intelligence, and also lots and lots of research on why there needs to be more gender balance and gender parity, because women tend to have more uh, higher EQ, because that was the, from their early patterning. So in every way, it's uh, a really uh, value added to increase emotional intelligence. And some people have it more naturally than others. I hope that answers you, but I can also send a link. Great. Yeah, and if you want to send any, if you want to send any links or anything, Lorraine, to me, and we can publish, we can share that. Um, on along that lines, the next question is: Can we have a list of books that you would recommend? And I know that's something we had talked about on during yes. our earlier conversation. Uh, abs absolutely, I'm happy to send the list. I sent. I, I mentioned probably a half a dozen that <laughs> are my top ones, but I can send. We can send more. Wonderful. And yeah, and, and anything, any resources that Lorraine sends will be shared on our, on the, on our webinar page on the, our website. Any other questions, Ben? Uh, let's see. Let's give it a minute. Um, there were a couple people who had asked about the name of the book that you had mentioned earlier, but um, by, by Joanne Lippman. But. Okay. I, I, I'll repeat it and it will be on the list. That's what she said. <laughs> It's called by Joe, and and then the sub sort of subtitle is what men need to know, and in brackets, and and women need to tell them about working together. And what I love about it is I use it in my coaching with uh, with CEOs. It's got a nice uh, almost cheat sheet at the back of twelve easily applicable tips and strategies. So I'm not seeing any questions, but positive comments. Um, thanks. Amazing webinar. Excellent information. I will share with my women's group. Okay. <laughs> Anything else then before I say thank you and goodbye? Mm, no, just more, just more praise. Excellent and relevant information. <laughs> thank so, you. Um, very applicable to all minorities. So good to hear. Applicable all minorities, specifically gays. Yes, that's a whole other workshop. I hope that I um, thank you for saying that. Whoever did that is it's, that's Keith. Uh, is that it's so? You know, this work is not only for if we look at inclusion, if we look at what is expected, reinforced, and rewarded in all organizations. If women are treated with more respect, then so is everyone else. Variant. 
very informative. Thank you. Uh, uh, looks like uh, since we don't have many questions left, I'm just going to go ahead and start wrapping things up. I just want to go ahead and say uh, uh, many thanks to Lorraine and to, uh, for this amazing presentation, a wonderful webinar, and for everyone who participated in today's webinar. A special thank you to our webinar sponsor, Aon. As promised, the SHRM activity ID at and HRCI activities have been uh, IDs have been posted in the chat. The SHRM activity ID is 18-W72YL, and the HRCI activity ID is 356053. And again, those have both been posted in the chat section, along with the link to the uh, post-webinar survey. Again, we request that you uh, take a couple moments to take that survey, as it does help us uh, improve uh, our webinars and uh, shape the content for our webinars. Um, and the lucky winner of the lunch, of the lunch, uh, the lunch and learn with with uh, Lorraine is Elizabeth Turnbull, a placement counselor at Tree at Tree Trust. Um, so Elizabeth, I will be co uh, contacting you to connect you with uh, Lorraine directly for the, uh, so you can schedule your lunch and learn. So congratulations to Lorraine. Uh, sorry, sorry, congratulations to Elizabeth and to Tree Trust. Uh, Where are Tree Trust? Tree Trust is located right here in Minnesota. Ah, good. Yes. <laughs> so no nepotism, I promise. <laughs> it was all chosen randomly. Um, uh, so uh, yes, so please join us for our next for, um, form on workplace inclusion webinar, uh, strategies for how to get invited to the table and to sustain your place with presenter Dr. Shirley Davis on Thursday, July 19th at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. And uh, exciting news, the 2019 call for presentations is now open. If you're interested in submitting a proposal for a presentation for the 2019 conference, please consider joining our second call for presentations informational webinar on Thursday, June 28th, also at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. Um, for more information on the call for presentations, the call for presentations Q&A webinar, and all, uh, all of our upcoming events, uh, DEI resources, and contests, visit us at forumworkplaceinclusion.org uh, forum or our LinkedIn or Facebook or, and Twitter. Just search for Forum on Workplace Inclusion. Again, I want to thank, every, uh, thank Lorraine again for this wonderful webinar, and thank you all for attending. Thank you for listening to the Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast. Subscribe to our podcast to get updates on the latest episodes. For more information, visit us at forumworkplaceinclusion.org or search Workplace Forum on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.